This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Welcome back. Well, there are lots of questions surrounding the Ford government's announcement that it will be working to privatize cannabis sales. More than 75,000 Canadians use cannabis medicinally, and Health Canada estimates that that will increase to over 450,000 by 2024. Meanwhile, increased recreational use will likely have clinical implications for many people. That means if you use it recreationally, that's probably going to have an impact on the other medications that you take. And what about knowledge of side effects from using either medical or uh, recreational cannabis? A lot of questions surrounding that. And interesting that the Ontario Pharmacists Association actually uh, thinks the way the government is handling this is a good thing. We want to hear from you, especially if you have questions about the interaction of these two things. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And I am here with our trusted contributor, John Puppesturgeou from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Hi, John. Hey, Libby. Good to be back. Okay, great. You, did you have a nice vacation? Yeah, it was a great time. Went by quick, but, uh, you know, back to the daily grind. Okay, well, so what kind of issues do you see coming out of all of this? Well, see, I mean, I think the goal of the government here is around access, so making uh, cannabis accessible. The questions, uh, you know, that uh, we have and I think uh, patients are going to have is how does this all fit together? I mean, we're going to have way more users, I think, than we do uh, potentially have now. Um, and there's going to be two groups. There's going to be that medicinal group, and I think the focus there is to keep them uh, within the pharmacy. We don't know how this is all going to work out. Currently, if you get a prescription for medicinal marijuana, you get it directly from the uh, licensed producer. So Correct. it's kind of a mail order thing. Uh, yep. Kind of, I think, our platform is to get that uh, uh change than and to have the uh, uh, medicinal marijuana available through the pharmacies. I mean, we're used to procuring all these other medications, narcotics, and everything else. I think we're well suited uh, for that. The other aspect is, uh, you know, many of these patients that are getting uh, marijuana for medicinal reasons, they're on a lot of other chronic medications. So I think the pharmacist is, uh, you know, uh, well suited to answer questions around potential interactions, uh, consequences of combining these things and whatnot. So I think that's the one group. Now we have the other group, and that's going to be the recreational group, which will be the much bigger group. And uh, I think they're still sorting out how this is all going to look. But I think what we have to be prepared for is many of those patients are also taking other medications. They may uh, uh, not really understand the consequences of uh, combining all these things. 
you know, someone's going to have to be there to answer those questions. Hopefully they come to pharmacy, but it's something we have to prepare for. And do you have a handle on, on any of the potential side effects and the results of combining? It's a good question, Libby. And, and historically, marijuana itself hasn't been well studied, right? So I think we know that there are definitely interactions. I think there are definite benefits, and certain groups will benefit uh, uh, from the access. The question becomes, what happens when you, you know, on, you're on certain medications? And we know marijuana, like smoking, induces certain enzymes, right? So it speeds up the clearance of other drugs. Is that going to have an impact on your potential therapy? Uh, you know, when you combine it with other things like opioids, and if you don't reduce the dose, what happens in that situation? Or with benzodiazepines? So I think we're prepared to answer those type of questions. But I think uh, as uh, the user, the, the, the number of users goes up, there may be things that come up that we're not even aware of because historically marijuana hasn't been very, very well studied. And there's a lot of claims being made. They're not all founded in evidence also, so we have to be prepared for that aspect. Oh, claims about what medicinal marijuana of can do. Can do. It, it, depending who you talk to, it could do everything, right? So well, I think we've got to be careful. I have that. to say, just on a, a personal note, I, tr- I tried a little bit of the drops of the CBD oil, no THC, sure. don't want to be high, uh, for arthritis, and it, it didn't, didn't work for me. Let's put yeah. it yeah, that way. And, and sometimes it's a dose-dependent thing. We know for pain, there's definitely probably a role uh, for chemotherapy-induced nausea, vomiting. Oh, so the when role I was there, when I sure. had cancer and took marijuana, it was amazing. Sure, it's a spasticity type yeah. conditions. There's a role, so there's a lot of you know uh, areas that have been studied. I think as we broaden out, and you talk to certain people, like, they'll literally recommend it for anything, and we have to be a little bit careful there, and we have to be careful from deferring uh, patients from actually getting the therapy that we know works for certain conditions, right? And that's another aspect. What are the consequences of delaying therapies, especially over the long term? Something we got to think about. What about, do you have a sense of the implications, say, you look at something really common like uh, blood pressure, heart medications, what would be the consequence of mixing that with marijuana? Any idea? Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, we haven't looked at it. Uh, Many drugs haven't been looked at specifically in that aspect. What I would be more you know, concerned about with the non-psychotropic type medications is, is their clearance going to be affected, right? Because we know marijuana, smoking, uh, uh, sometimes induces enzymes that clear medications uh, in your liver. Uh, is there a potential interaction there? And I, I don't think there's an easy answer there uh, because if your other medications are clearing faster, right, uh, that's, uh, that's potentially a problem. You may have to adjust the dose and do some other things. But I think for our cardiovascular meds, probably be okay. Uh, but we'll see as, you know, as this uh, uh, rolls out to a larger group of people. Okay, uh, let's take some calls. We've got Martin in Brampton. Hi, Martin. Oh, hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Well, my comment about the marijuana is, is I think that they should, they should uh, just do it like the tobacco. I mean, you know, you got your duty paid, the government gets their money, and uh, everything's done. It doesn't cost us any money to, to properly, um, not regulate, but the government, they, you know, they legalize it, they regulate it, and then they monopolize it. The government getting in to the marijuana business of growing marijuana and selling it is not right. It should be just like tobacco. You can buy it in a... a, a uh, 
Well, like they're, they're, that's exactly what they're looking at doing right. right now. They just made an announcement. Uh, do you worry, for instance, about taking marijuana that will be legal and how it might interact with some other medications you're on? Well, you know, we get a lot of people that are driving around on the opioids and uh, the marijuana. Well, what are you going to do with it? It's like tobacco. Well, the thing, Martin, is it's it's different than tobacco in the sense that uh, medicinal marijuana has some potential health benefits. And I think that's the big difference. So there's patients using it for a very specific indication. And I think in that, with that respect, I mean, we have to be prepared to address, you know, how how this will interact or what, what the consequences will be with their, their other uh, medications and their drug regimen. Whereas tobacco, there's no real health benefit. There's no one uh, using it uh, uh, for any medicinal condition, really. And I think that's where we have to differentiate. And that's where I think the differentiation between medicinal marijuana and recreational uh, marijuana, that, that line is drawn there. And I think um, we're trying to address that now. But uh, to Libby's point, I think you're right, Libby. That's what they're trying to sort out now, what they're going to do on the recreational end. Okay, Martin, thanks for your call. Let's go to Tina in Thornhill. Hi, Tina. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Libby, thank you for this opportunity. Um, I actually want to talk about that I'm against the legalization of marijuana for recreational purposes. Okay, yeah, but it's happening. It's happening really I fast. I, I mean, know it is. But whether I, I, you I like it like or to, not. I, I, I would like to put in my two cents. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Mark Lewis. Dr. Mark Lewis is a development neuroscientist and professor of human development and applied psychology at Radboud University in the Netherlands, and he's also professor emeritus okay. at the University of Toronto, and he's a former junkie. You should hear what he has to say about addiction. Gabor Mate is also a Canadian physician who runs a supervised on-site injection facility serving drug addicts in Vancouver's downtown east side where the staff do their utmost to steer clients toward abstinence and recovery. And he's written a great book called In the Realm. Yes, we know him. We know him. I've just, uh, we're we're trying to focus since this is happening uh, and there's really not an opportunity to stop it from happening. We're trying to focus here on uh, uh, on you know just uh, seeing what what the ramifications are going to be. Well, so this I mean, is what it's, I'm trying to get to. If you would allow me, um, well, I yeah, really we are running. It. Um, if you can get to uh, if you can get to it in in a few seconds, that's yes. great. Yes, um, both doctors agree, or both uh, both authors agree that when a person has an addiction or when they need to get high. Um, it's because they're trying to fill a void. Okay, thanks for your call. Yeah, so I think she's missing the issue here. Yes, I okay, well, I, I'm sorry, but, but you know, this is, this is happening imminently. That's right. And we're trying to help people figure out how to deal with it. How to manage it. Yeah. And I think, I think there's people, and I think this is, you know, and that's one side of the story. The reality is there's people that are going to use for different reasons. And I think that's what we've got to kind of differentiate. There are going to be the recreational users that want to get high. The reality is they have access to marijuana already. I think, right. I think it's uh, uh, the, the discussion now is how to... You know, we manage those patients that may be using it for medicinal reasons and have a lot of questions. And are we prepared, uh, you know, for to, to deal with that? Uh, you know, are, are pharmacists prepared? I think they're getting there. There's a lot of continuing education that's being done now. And then at the same time, um, 
once we got a larger group of people on this uh, uh, stuff, uh, are we prepared to deal with potential interaction side effects? I mean, I think, it, you know, the way I see this is very similar to the, the over-the-counter products, right? People, uh, you know, they almost come to expect if something's made available over-the-counter, it's perfectly safe, there's no consequences. Well, we know even things like, uh, you know, Tylenol, if you don't use it properly... There could be consequences and uh, potential toxicity. So, I mean, I think that's the issue we're trying to focus on here today, not whether uh, we should be legal or not. <laughs> yeah, it's whether we should or not, we <laughs> will matter. be. No. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to give the numbers before we go to break. If you have some questions about potential interactions between marijuana, either medicinal or recreational and any other kind of medication you may be on, also. So if you have questions about what medicinal marijuana might be good for, of course, I'm here with John Papasturgio, our trusted contributor, and he's ready to take your calls and your questions on anything else. The numbers to call before we go to break, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Welcome back. I'm here with John Puppesturgeou, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We're talking about cannabis. We're talking about potential interactions with other drugs you may be taking now that it is about to become legal. And we're also talking about one of the possible big benefits of this. And that is, you know, if you have a lot of pain, if you're on opioids, then you can probably reduce your opioids with medicinal cannabis. And of course, just in the last few days, we've seen this horrific increase in uh, the death from opioids just in one area of the city, actually very close to here in uh, in uh, Division 14. So if you have questions about that, or frankly, anything else pharmaceutical, give us a shout, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And John, what evidence is there in terms of the ability to reduce opioids because of medical cannabis? Yeah, I think, I mean, this is an area that's being looked at right now, and I think it's one of the kind of main focuses of medicinal marijuana. We know we have a huge opioid problem. The goal with chronic pain management generally is to get people, you know, on a regular opioid dose that's as low as possible. So you want it to be the lowest uh, effective dose. And that that can be a challenge because generally what happens with patients is they'll, you know, escalate their therapy. Uh, they'll kind of reach a point where they think it's working. And it's not generally, that dose sometimes isn't revisited, right? And I think what we've seen anecdotally, and I think there's uh, some uh, studies going on now that uh, are, you know, the goal there is to, to, to show that if we're able to get these patients uh, using cannabis, we could potentially lower that uh, opioid dose. Uh, so they take both things together. And you can do that, and that's okay. I mean, to come off an opioid, especially if you're on a, a very high chronic dose, is very hard to do sometimes. But if we could taper it down, 
Ideally, it would be get them off entirely. Then, uh, you know, that I think is a big win on the medicinal side. And I think that's going to be one of the early uh, focuses, I think, of healthcare providers, pharmacists, is to say, hey, if we've got uh, this access now, is there any way we could use it to help deal with the opioid problem? Because I see it every day. People go into the hospital, they may have surgery, uh, you know, get a prescription, they start using it, then they start using it regularly. Then they say, hey, it's, you know, helping for my rheumatoid arthritis. Now they're using the opioid at a higher dose, and it's something that they're on for a long period of time. Uh, we know there's consequences to that. Uh, hopefully this will be a potential solution. What about benzodiazepines? Is sleep medication? Sleep mm. medications. That's an, an issue on its own. I mean, I find uh, we have many, many patients now uh, in the community that... Uh, you know, they take they can't sleep without benzos. And uh, as a general rule, I tell uh, patients, you know, try not to use it more than three times a week. Once you get into that daily use, it's hard to sleep without it. Your brain kind of adjusts to that benzodiazepine, that sedative effect there. We know that uh, cannabis can help with that as well. Uh, I, again, there the idea being, hey, let's try to get uh, uh, these patients off that daily uh, benzo dose. We know for the elderly, and there's a lot of evidence uh, to suggest now, that if you're taking uh, benzos regularly, it predisposes you to falls, confusion, and all these other things. So unfortunately, you have to try to balance that with the need to sleep, and it can be a challenge in some patients. But, um, you know, deprescribing is a huge focus right now. And when I look at these profiles of our patients, the first thing I look at is the benzos. Is there an opportunity to either to reduce the amount we're using? You got to do it properly. You can't uh, shut it off cold turkey because you'll get withdrawal for sure. Maybe we could taper it down a little bit, get them off the therapy. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again because we do have a few minutes left. We've been talking about sleep medication and also the possibility of being able to reduce your sleep medication because of medical cannabis. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. I'm here with John Papasturgio, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. And, of course, he will take whatever questions you have on things pharmaceutical. Um, yeah, what, what percentage of people would you say take some kind of sleep medication? Oh, it's high, especially amongst our seniors. I would say, if I had to guess, I would say it's about 60%, maybe even higher. It's one of the, uh, the most commonly dispensed medications. And it always starts the same way. It starts with, you know, I'm having some trouble sleeping. I'm going to take it once uh, in a while. But the quality of sleep when you're taking these medications is a lot better. So people get used to that, they like it, and they start taking more frequently. Once you exceed those three doses a week, it can be a problem. Okay, let's hear from Al in Scarborough. Hi, Al. Hi. Uh, I take a drug called L-troxin for the uh, thyroid. Yep. How would uh, it affect this? Yeah, it's a good question. Altroxin is one of those drugs that uh, it works within a very narrow therapeutic range. That's why for anyone that's been on a thyroid medication, the doctors have to tinker the, with the dose frequently to try to get you kind of to that right level. Um, we know altroxin specifically, uh, w when you think about drug interactions, it's a sticky drug. It sticks to things like uh, vitamins and minerals, so we can't, you know, we caution patients about how to take it uh, concomitantly with other things. With marijuana, I don't think we're going to have a specific problem. That being said, uh, clearance could be an issue uh, if if patients are using large amounts of marijuana and it acts uh, as an enzyme uh, uh, enhancer, possibly there. 
uh, what we could do, the, the easiest answer with uh, thyroid is we can measure measure uh, thyroid hormone levels, right? And the doctor mm-hmm. can monitor you if you're if you're concerned about that. So if there is an impact, we'll just adjust the dose accordingly. So that's not one of the drugs, uh, Al. I would worry about. I think you you'll probably okay. be okay. Well, I read I heard something on uh, news last night about hypothyroidism, and uh, taking these drugs can affect you. Yeah, um, I mean, I think uh, with hypo, yeah, like hypothyroidism in general can have an impact because it slows down your metabolism. So it, it could slow down the clearance of other drugs. It could really affect the way your body functions. I think that's probably the the, the bigger concern there. So if, mm-hmm. the good thing is we have uh, you know synthetic thyroid hormone. We could supplement you quickly with it and get you into a, kind of that normal range. And the great thing is we can monitor. So even if we're worried about drug interactions, it's a quick blood test, we can see where you land. Okay, good. Well, thank you, doctor. No problem. Okay, thanks. Okay, let's go to Kathleen in Lindsay. Hello, Kathleen. Hi, afternoon, guys. I listen to you all the time, and I appreciate this opportunity. Great. I I have a prescription for uh, medical marijuana, and unfortunately, I I am also on uh, codeine cotton, and the pain in my back from T1 to the the L5 is incredible, and I can't afford my prescription. And I'm just wondering when and if it does get to the pharmacies, will the employers, my hus- uh, I'm under my, um, my, my uh, husband's insurance, that's, that's the thing. I can't get my medical dose. Yeah. There the are some... Down. I, I have to... That's kind of a, a private business thing. I know that the, there are a few companies that cover it. Absolutely. Like Leuna, which yeah. is it's uh, the construction trade unit yeah. union, and they cover it for their employees. There are a number now. No, so my husband's on... Uh, he works for Loblaw, so um, I can't... They just went to Blue Cross... Not Blue Cross. I can't even think what it is, but no, they don't cover it. They cover it for two. two sorry, two issues... Um, I think it's done for cancer and something else. Yeah, so I was going to say that when you said he works for Loblaws because Shoppers is under that, that banner. So there are, Loblaws does cover under their plan under very specific conditions, right? So I think yeah, that's correct. what we're going to see initially. It's not going to be open access for everything. They'll, it'll be, you know, it'll be uh, restricted access for certain medical conditions. That could expand as we get more experience with it. But uh, okay. there are third parties that are starting to pay for it already, and this hasn't even kind of uh, you know worked out exactly how the pricing is going to work outside of the uh, licensed producers. I think a lot of this stuff is going to change once we go to a kind of a, a broader retail environment for sure. Oh, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping because I can't get my I can't keep the pain under control because I don't have that I, I can't afford access to my medication that I need. It does work. And, and this and is an example. I think varieties. Kathleen's a, a good but example of someone that's on an opioid, and they're getting benefits from uh, from the marijuana. As yeah, well. it's it, it's. I I hate hearing these stories yeah. because you hear it quite often that somebody who knows they can benefit from and this can't afford it. That's right. And the other question that's going to be interesting is, well, how is Ontario Drug Benefit going to respond? Because they're paying for the opioids currently, obviously. Uh, you know. How is this all going to pan into that, you know, the, the Ontario being the biggest payer here? I'm not really sure, but we'll see what happens. Okay, Kathleen and Lindsay, we wish you all the best. Oh, thank you very much, and I'll keep listening, and I appreciate everything you two do. Okay, thank thanks so much. Excellent, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Uh, John, we're running out of time. What would you like to leave us with? Yeah, on I this? think uh, you know, to anyone that's uh, uh, you know trying to decide exactly what they're going to do once the uh, you know the regulation changes here and we get wider availability, go and talk to your pharmacist. I think uh, many pharmacists now are doing uh, extra training, continuing education to prepare themselves for the questions that are going to start to come our way. Feel comfortable uh, discussing uh, with us. It doesn't have to be, oh, I know a friend that uses, and that's what I hear now every day. Uh, be comfortable asking the question. I think it's something that we're going to have to get used to uh, in the next uh, few months and years. Okay. John Papasturgiu, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Thank you so much for being uh, with us. Great to be here. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for Fight Back for today. Remember, Free for All Friday is coming up tomorrow. So uh, if you couldn't get through during the week or if there's anything else you want to talk about, please call back tomorrow. It's your day. That's all the time we have. And we now break for traffic and news. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.